this is the Mooks and the Gripes podcast. Hello, everybody. This is Trevor. Merrily, Paul. Paul, how are you doing today? I'm doing very merrily. Yeah, I'm. Uh, <laughs> we were chatting a little bit before we started recording. I am in kind of the post-Thanksgiving. Uh, I don't know. Hangover is a little strong, but days maybe is the best way to put it. But I'm doing well. Nice, nice. Yeah, we're recording this on the Saturday after Thanksgiving. And it will go up, I think, on December 1st. So this is like our first official holiday episode. Yeah. <laughs> Exciting. Yeah, I'm definitely in the spirit. It's kind of nice driving home, you know, after Thanksgiving and just seeing all the, the Christmas lights starting to go mm-hmm. up and everything. I mean, some were already up, but more and more are coming up. And all of a sudden, it just feels like it's right. I feel like I asked you this last year. My apologies if I did and I don't remember, but do you guys decorate... For the holidays, um, early, late, if you do at all. Yeah, we've always been what I think of as traditional, but maybe that's just because it's been traditional in our family. <laughs> Anytime after Thanksgiving is is fair game. So yeah. often this weekend, you know, like as we're recording the weekend right after Thanksgiving, if we're with it that year, that's when we'll do it. It doesn't always work out that way. Yeah. But yeah, that's usually kind of the the zone we shoot for. And then we... You know, we decorate quite a bit inside, and again, if we're filling up to it, we'll do some outside <laughs> decorations, but I I don't know. I personally don't want to make it into like a, you have to do it this yeah. way every year. So, how about yeah. you guys? So, we, we tend to do it after Thanksgiving um, over the weekend. My youngest, who is seven, like, we finish eating the turkey. Yeah. And he's like, okay, can we get out the Christmas stuff now? (laughs) He was so excited that night. He got to get home and pull out a few decorations Mm -hmm. for him. And then um, we did decorate a lot of stuff inside yesterday. So we have our tree up. I posted a little picture out there reading by it last night. You know, I I love that that feel. Mm -hmm. And I guess it plays into today's episode, you know, what we're going to be talking about. Yeah. But yeah, we we've got our we've got our stuff. We'll we'll have to tinker and polish over the weekend. But most of our stuff did get up yesterday. Wow, impressive! To, uh, to help with the, uh, the you know get the, get into the mood. Yeah, how did you do that and still fit in all of your Black Friday shopping? That's the part I don't understand. Hey, we get up at three in the morning. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, I haven't done any Black Friday shopping most of my entire life. I mean, there's yeah. been a time or two when I have ventured out, but. That's pretty much it. Um, I know. I'm one of those that doesn't mind the, you know, the the weeping and wailing on online that you see when someone goes into a store that's fairly empty and says, oh, the internet is, is ruining Black Friday. I'm like, look, there's a lot of things that are sad about, you know, maybe these shops not getting their customers. Mm-hmm. But one of them isn't Black Friday being ruined. I mean, no. I, <laughs> yeah, I don't miss the the stampeding people getting knocked over, and yeah, that's just kind of embarrassing. So. Probably some of that still somewhere, right? I'm I'm sure it was busy out there still, but I I would not know. <laughs> nope, I'm with you. Me either. Oh, well. So today's episode, just to let people know what's coming, though we'll we'll do some chat beforehand. We are going to be talking about settling in. For a long winter's read, yeah. <laughs> and I'm looking forward to it. We'll we'll talk about some books we want to read over the winter, um, holidays and and beyond. But also, um, what do what do we like? How do we cozy in? You know, how do we settle in for mm-hmm. a long winter's read? Uh, what are what are the things that you like to do? You know, how do you make this comforting and cozy? What's your best mood to have those moments that you steal 
from you know the the day that's zipping by uh, to to read and to enjoy that time. But before we get too far, what have you been reading, Paul? Yeah, I have been reading a few things. So I'm still working my way through Lauren Isley and enjoying every minute of mm-hmm. that. They're just perfect. I'm kind of into the uncollected writings, which are at the end of the first volume. And so they're te- they seem like they're a little bit shorter. And so I was kind of mixing some of those in like when I needed to sneak away during the holiday, you know, from all the noise <laughs> and chaos, just go sneak off and, and read one of those. And that's been really nice. And then I just started one, which I know several of our friends and listeners are big fans of, which is This Little Art by Kate Briggs. Um, the version I'm reading is a Fitzcarraldo edition, and I think that's the main one that I've seen. It might be published by others. Um, so it's just an essay, a book-length essay, that's all about basically translation. Um, I'll read a little bit of the blurb here. It just says, an essay with the reach and momentum of a novel. It's a, gen- a genre-bending song for the practice of literary translation, offering fresh, fierce, and timely thinking on reading, writing, and living with the works of others. So, you know, right from the beginning, that sounds like it's right up my alley. And I was thrilled to see, basically, I think it's the first page, she starts talking about the Magic Mountain. That's like the first work of translation that she starts Mm. talking about and and the older translations versus the, not versus the new, but just talking about the art of it and, and everything. And then she moves into her own works of translation that she's worked on. It's really fascinating. She's talking about how you're reading this book and it's like that mindset of, yes, I read that book. I read, you know, I read whatever the the case may be, the magic mountain in this case, but in some ways you didn't really read it because you're reading someone's interpretation of it. And so Hmm. it goes back and forth between that. And she pulls out, I don't know if you remember when I read the magic mountain, there's a section about halfway through where there's, I don't think I'm exaggerating. It's probably five or six pages of untranslated French. And she talks about that and how interesting it is that Thomas Mann, you know, pulled that out straight, obviously it's, but it's just this interesting dichotomy of like, you were reading that one that's in the original French, Mm -hmm. but then any translation program, if you don't know French, (laughs) then it's becoming like this own hybrid thing. So it's just this really interesting um, look at that. And again, I'm only probably, I might be like 40 pages in, so I am sure that it goes many other places, but so far that's what it's all about. And it's really good. Nice. Yeah, I've yeah. I've not read that one yet, though I've read a lot about it and know a lot of people who have enjoyed it and mm-hmm. and talked a lot about what it says. Yeah, that's yeah. it's so fun to, to to talk about translation, and I have a a brother in law that was reading a book in translation. I can't remember what it was, and he's like, I've never really even thought about it, but you know, what do you think of when you're getting a book in translation and, and the different. Yeah. Um, the different translations that are available. And I'm like, oh, okay, let's let's sit down for a minute. This is fun. <laughs> yeah, I know. Start nerding out about it immediately. That's all. <laughs> right. Yeah. He he and... then he then never talked to me again over the holiday, but uh... <laughs> right. It's like I didn't care that much. Yeah. No, it's really cool. And then really interesting thing is I'm listening to some Susan Sontag, who I've never hmm. read before. And so I dipped in with this audio version of it's a, it's a collection of some of her short stories, which I know is not what she's most known for, but it's kind of cool. One of those pieces of serendipity where the very first one that I listened to is a short story about how it's not her, but the, the uh, narrator is a young girl and then her friend end up kind of meeting Thomas Mann and uh, 
you know, Magic Mountain is her favorite book and everything. And it was like one of those weird serendipitous things where, you know, it became all about Magic Mountain for me this week, which is nice. A very nice. good thing. Yeah, that is fun. Takes me back to, even though I haven't read it. Yeah, I exactly. remember you you talking about it. So. <laughs> well, we are talking about uh, winter books today, so I won't give any spoilers, but it may just uh, come up again. So. Oh, there we yeah. go. There we go. Well, I don't have an exciting update for my what are you reading. I uh, have been reading Brandon Sanderson's latest, The Lost Metal. Yeah. And I haven't had as much time as I thought that I might to finish it. So I'm still, mm-hmm. it's like 500 pages and I'm a little bit past page 300. Um, I'm hoping to finish it over the next couple of days so that I can have it done over the Thanksgiving holiday, you know, kind of thing and, right. and, and, and be done with it. But um, that's what I'm reading. And I'll be honest, I'm I'm not sure how I'm feeling about it. It's a lot of people love it and have been very excited about it. And I'm not sure that I do yet. I'm excited oh. to see how it ends. It's not that I'm not enjoying it, but I don't know. A lot of his books have a good sense of place and of uh, there's a little bit of weight to some of it. And this one feels a lot more like I got to speed through uh, mm-hmm. some of this plot to get to the the wrap up phase. And it doesn't it feels a little bit more speedy. Mm-hmm. It's not that I want it to go slow. It just feels, I guess, a little more superficial because of that. Yeah, And and it could just be me. I'll see how how it feels as we get to the very, you know, to the very end. I, he usually by the he usually packs a pretty good um, oomph into into his endings. He's very good at writing endings, I think. Yeah. And that may that may win me over entirely. I I am enjoying the the book, but it um I don't know. It doesn't feel quite as as on its own and such. I mean, he's it. It's just not quite that for me at this point, mm. but that's okay. It doesn't, not all of them have to be, and I'll still, you know, I'm still enjoying it and uh, I'll glad to be uh, getting more of the story and more of the background and, and get this little part of the whole thing wrapped up because it's the final book in a, in a sequence and you know, all that's, mm-hmm. all that's a lot of fun still. So I'm not disappointed. I'm just, uh, just, you know, the, that it is what it is and, and right. that's okay. <laughs> is that the one that you said was the new one where you had been reading it in PDF and you yeah. were getting the new one? Yeah, yeah. Yep, it they released um like chapters on tour.com mm-hmm. over the several weeks before it came out every Monday they'd release a, a few chapters and I that's how I was getting through that. So mm-hmm. I really haven't read a ton of it since it came out. I think it, that got up to page like 120 or something. So I've read what another 180 190 pages since <laughs> yeah since it came out which is you know again totally fine that's how things go sometimes but well even if it's not your favorite you just have to wait like a couple weeks and he'll have a new one out right right so. right we'll move on <laughs> actually that's not too far off you remember his big um secret novels uh mm-hmm. that he wrote mm-hmm. and, and released them on kickstarter the first one of those comes on uh, like january 1st um, I don't know when the actual physical book will arrive, but I think he's trying to send out the eBooks that weekend oh, um, cool. so that, you know, so it's the first of a quarter and then the book itself with, and whatever box he throws together for it is, is meant to come then too, but it, due to supply chain issues, they, they, they're saying, look, 
it's done. It just we'll might do our not, best. Yeah, it might not be everything in in place for for that. But yeah, every quarter next year, I'll get a new <laughs> new Brandon Sanderson book. Something to look forward to in twenty. Yeah, I think it'll be fun. I'm going to make sure that we uh, we t- that's what I'll be covering on this podcast. All of, no, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners are like, yeah, right. That's what you do. <laughs> but at any rate, that it has been fun. I like. I like having a book like that, that you're just kind of happy for the the plot and, you know, yeah. it's not too serious. Um, it's kind of a fun thing over the holiday, that, especially when you're like, I'm going to sit down by the Christmas tree and read another little bit of this adventure. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> perfect. Sounds awesome. All right. Well, I do have a little bit more to go over. We have been, and it's totally your fault, Paul. Um, negligent what did I do this time <laughs> in not reading our Patreon supporters that have been coming in. Mm. Actually, totally my fault. Of course, you know I would <laughs> no. never, I would never blame you or bring it up like that if it were. But it's <laughs> this certainly is not. Um, I've been a little bit late on getting to some of these, but the, these are the names of our Patreon supporters who who have stopped by and and been donating over the past, uh, I think, a couple of months uh, since the first one here. Um, I'm going to read their names because we, you know, that's part of the perk. I don't know if it's a big perk, but it's part of the perk. And we definitely do want to thank you uh, as personally as we possibly can. Uh, Georgia, I don't know Georgia's last name, but thank you so much, Georgia. Uh, Michael Kitto, we've talked about Michael before. Um, Great uh, friend on Instagram and, uh, well, sorry, a great friend on TikTok and on Twitter. Just Mm -hmm. a all around, um, you know, love his insights into into books. So thanks so much, Michael. Uh, Mary Mulligan, uh, Jerry Faust, and Ron Restrepo, also folks that we run into over on uh, Twitter. Uh, Sarah Herrera, Anthony Garrett, Christy Chess, and Kathy Haas. Uh, again, a lot of these folks are people who have been reaching out and we've been getting to know them a little bit uh, mm-hmm. since we started this podcast. And Anthony doesn't live too far away from me, Paul. He um, he actually said, hey, when Paul comes into town, let's get together. So we need there to make that happen. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and uh, but thanks so much, everybody. Christy was one of our winners. She she won the fall book box mm, and right. uh, uh, certainly didn't have to give back so soon. You know, we, know. we, we love the, that you won. Um, but she gets another box coming her way, actually. She signed up on a higher on a higher tier. Wow. So well, thank you guys. That's amazing. So many people. That's very flattering and exciting and so much fun to, like you said, get to start meeting a lot of these people. Mm-hmm. And any of you, you know, who haven't reached out at any time, we'd love to chat with you. So yeah, yeah, wonderful. for sure. And it's just, it really does help because we do have bills and, and such with the podcast. Um, but also it helps to make the giveaways um, fun and, mm-hmm. you know, get supplies for them and then to ship them. And that's where the money has been going since since we started this mm-hmm. <laughs> is to to those kinds of things. So it is very much appreciated. It's it's fun to to have that contribution to make this a community uh, with that kind of generous and um, and excited, you know, to share kind of spirit. Uh, of course, um, we don't want to pressure anybody into feeling like that's required or an expectation. It's very nice. And we do appreciate it, but there are many ways to to join in and to participate in the community uh, that we also very much appreciate. However, um, these listeners are just also got another bonus episode um, that we do once a month for Patreon listeners, except for October. 
we we blew it in October. That we was did. a busy month. We'll we'll figure something out, but uh, but still, we blew it there, Paul. But but we've been releasing <laughs> monthly episodes for a while, and the last one came out just barely before Thanksgiving. And so thanks thanks everybody. And uh, anything else you want to say, Paul? No, I was just going to say, yeah, our bonus episode this last time was was a bookshelf roulette, roulette which was really fun. So if anybody uh-huh. you know is interested in in that, if that's enough of an incentive to get you to sign up, there you go. That's what we did last time. But like you said, it, it we really, really appreciate it. But we also, as we always say, and it's very much true, chatting with people on Twitter, we get emails and responses to our newsletter. Mm-hmm. You know, people reach out to us in all types of ways, sometimes to talk about the podcast, sometimes just to talk about books. And whatever it is, it's one of my very, very favorite things about doing this. So, yeah, just feel free, however you want to, even if it's just to say hi. Please reach out at any time. We love it. Mm -hmm. Apparently, Substack, where we have our free newsletter that comes out with each episode, also has like a discussion feature. I have not. Hmm. I've been getting emails saying, hey, try this out. They haven't done it yet, but it looks almost like a place where you can set up different areas to talk almost like chat rooms huh. and i don't know if that's something i mean certainly if twitter goes under that maybe yeah <laughs> right. to, to, to keep in touch but i haven't set that up yet but i may look into it you may see something about that in the newsletter um i'm not sure if we're there yet in terms of you know having any kind of critical mass that would make that a anything other than a ghost town. If you, if someone signed in, you know, there's Trevor and Paul, they wrote something, what, four weeks ago. (laughs) (laughs) Or no, they're just sitting there. Like we're the only two just sitting in the room waiting for somebody to show up. (laughs) But it might be a kind of a fun thing to do. um, Someday. I'll, I'll look into it a little bit more, but the newsletter is, is really nice way to keep in touch and see what shows are coming up and Mm -hmm. what show notes we have for the ones that are current. So Absolutely. All right, Paul, we're here to talk about, as I said before, settling in for a long winter's read. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to, I, I thought it would be fun to chat about what What do you look for? You know, what What are your favorite ways to settle in and to do that? You know, do you, do you like to have a nice warm beverage? Do you have a blanket? You know, what are... What are your ways of doing it? Does it even matter? You know, what when you think of winter reading and those good moments, mm-hmm. what is it? What does it look like to you? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm pretty adaptable, so I would say in some ways it it doesn't matter to some degree, but I do mm-hmm. have, I still chase those certain idealized memories right. of you right. know, and so I mean, probably nothing too original compared to many of our readers, but I mean, obviously, like you know, a fireplace would be very high on my list, you know, having a fireplace and a blanket, mm-hmm. like you said, a warm beverage, if it's, you know, the first two thirds of the day, maybe a coffee, you know, later in the evening, maybe it's a, a, a cup of tea or a glass of wine or something like that. But yeah, there's something about just kind of leaning all in and just, you know, finding that perfect thing. And then I do, you know, I read a fair amount just like in bed and not always even right before bed. Like sometimes if it's just the afternoon, I'll go escape and just snuggle in and read there. So that's definitely something, especially in the winter, that's pretty appealing, you know, open the bedroom Mm -hmm. window. And if it's snowing, that would be the perfect time to do that. There's something about that contrast of looking outside and seeing it's a cold blustery night, but you're all, you know, snuggled up and, and reading. So I think, you know, like I said, probably not a lot of those are that different, I would assume from a lot of our readers, but, um, you know, as you know, with kids in the house too, you kind of, sometimes sneak away and find (laughs) your little secret time wherever it may be. But then there are the other times where you're just reading outside amidst the chaos. 
in around the holidays i've found you know it's not always that's where like something you mentioned like the the adventure story where it does matter but you're not like getting deep into philosophical right. musings <laughs> as you know it's not five paper airplane french in the magic mountain <laughs> exactly yeah as a paper airplane you know hits you in the side of the head or whatever but um yeah so i mean th- those would definitely be my my kind of idealized ones you know whether it always happens or not is another story well and and maybe this isn't this there is no answer here but some of our listeners might want details paul what coffee, what wine, what tea, oh, that's true. you know, what, what is your, yeah. what is, what is it that, that gets you just the ideal for you? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've actually, it's funny. I think it was last year on Twitter. I posted a, cause um, Harney and sons is that British, you know, tea company. And we have got, you know, sampler packs from them over the years. Cause I'm not, I don't claim to be a tea connoisseur by any means. But the one that I've run into that I absolutely love is, I'm going to probably slaughter the name, but Lapsong Sochong, I think is how you say mm. it. It's uh, a really, really smoky tea. And I don't know if you've ever smelled it, but when it's no. in the tin, it really smells like a campfire, which to some people might not sound that appetizing. But <laughs> yeah, I just a... want to drink it, Paul. I exactly. just want to drink this. <laughs> and then when it's sitting there and it's it, you know it's brewing and you're waiting for it, oh, it smells so good. I love the smell. It, it it doesn't taste. I mean, it has like a little bit of a smoky taste, but in a good way. Like almost you know how like bacon or different things like that can have that smoky taste. Um, so that would be the the tea of choice for me most of the time. Although I do like an Earl Grey tea as well with a little bit of milk and honey. I'm. Yeah honestly nervous talking about this with all of our uk listeners i'll probably they'll be like you do what so i don't again i don't claim to be an expert some of that might, might have been very sacrilegious but um yeah coffee i'm pretty you know easy to please um you know i just <laughs> we just like brew it you know straight whatever um and then mm-hmm. you know same thing with wine we're, we're not i know that dorian and some other people have much more refined tastes like i'm fine with box wine or whatever i don't i'm an a man of simple pleasures, Trevor, as you know. So, yeah. So, well, hey, hey. Did, so, talking of the tea and mm-hmm. our, our, our English connoisseurs, mm-hmm. last Christmas, Simon Thomas got a tea advent calendar. Oh, that's cool. That he would he would open it up every day on Instagram, like on stories or whatever, mm-hmm. and he he wouldn't look to see what it was. He would brew it up <laughs> and then try to guess what it what it was. You know, like all James Bond or something like that. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, this one, this one tastes like vit. No, just. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that was actually really fun to watch. I I enjoyed the tea advent That's really uh, from cool afar. <laughs> I I would probably fail at that because again, oh, in man. my experience, tea is I would... a fairly subtle taste often, yeah. and so you know how people like with wine, they'll they'll swish it around their mouth and spit it out and. It has, you know, I can taste on the front the of the tongue. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I do not claim, I've gotten a little better over the years where I can at least get in the ballpark. But yeah, I think I would make a fool of myself if I ever tried to do anything like that. Well, I am I am definitely not going to give you any competition here. Yeah. Um, my favorite teas are ones that have like, I, I love when they have like little berry bits in them, like yeah. ras- dried raspberries and mm-hmm. things like that. I'm more of a fruity, minty kind of fella. Yeah. I'm, did you ever watch Ted Lasso? We're actually, we just started it. We we're like the last people in the world probably to watch it. So we're on like episode six or something like that. I want to like tea. That's right. But I'm much more of a Ted Lasso kind of response to 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 traditional British mm-hmm. tea. Not entirely. I mean, I, I, I do I do like it and will 
will enjoy a, a nice cup, but it's it's not necessarily what I what I jump for. Right. Though though I will be honest with you, when we're talking about these ideal winter reading, yeah, of course it has to be there, right? There's this picture in my mind. It might not ever get there, but uh, just a big cup right there on on your on your you know table right by your your nice recliner or something like that that stays hot. Oh, absolutely. For, for hours for while hours. you drink, you know, and read and you just get to sip it and it's always, it's always warm and, and sitting there. I mean that, yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's exactly. what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm with you for sure. Absolutely. I mean, what other winter, you know, reading ideals or thoughts do you have? Do you have any specific things that you look for? So I do enjoy, as I said before, reading out by the Christmas tree oh, or yeah. or downstairs by the fireplace. Um, mm-hmm. we, we don't have like a real fireplace or anything like that. It's just a furnace that looks kind of like a fire um, and mimics enough to, to, to be really atmospheric. And I really enjoy it. It it doesn't have that smoky smell that makes me just want to drink it, you know. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Well, do I have the solution for you? <laughs> there we go. But I, but I do enjoy that, and and I, I actually like doing it late at night in the winter when mm. everything's rather peaceful. You know, I have to, I have to turn the tree lights back on because the automatic timers already turned it off. Mm-hmm. Um, I do enjoy doing that, putting on some nice warm winter socks, uh, getting getting some some blankets out, things like that. Mm-hmm. I, I do like that it's a time when i i know that paper airplane isn't going to hit me in the head exactly <laughs> for the most part and um i find that i can suddenly read rather quickly and get through things that way that you know it might take me days of of <laughs> of hour-long sessions you know in in real time but that's when i can settle in and i like that in the winter time um any snacks that you you like to have yeah, I was thinking about that when you'd mentioned that. I don't know that I have, you know, like as we get further into the year, I guess, obviously, if there's some baked goods, some Christmas cookies, mm-hmm. I would kind of, that's what I would envision, you know, just based on usually during this time of year, there's so many goodies lying around. Or last year, you and your family were kind enough, kind enough to send us the Turkish Delight. You just have to be careful because if the fingers get sticky with reading, it could be <laughs> a disaster. Right. I don't well, know if you Turkish delight the... is quite the. It, it gets powdery, and you, yeah, you gotta. You almost exactly. have to eat those outside. <laughs> so, you like, know, where it's, it's like a beignet. Where, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Look like you've been in a snowstorm when you're done. But I don't know if you ever listened to the Reading Glasses podcast, but they have entire sections of their podcast often are devoted to like snacking, and I believe one of them, I think it's Ooh. Mallory, will eat her snacks with chopsticks for that very reason to not mm. get like fingerprints all over the book. So I don't know if I could, uh, that sounds like that's getting pretty complicated for my taste, but um, it's a good idea though. It is a good idea, especially <laughs> if you're reading something or eating something, you know, like, I don't know, Cheetos or something that would leave some residue. I think it could. Get yeah. Really- those are the, that would be the worst culprit, that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. But even, you know, my, my favorite thing to just snack on is popcorn yeah, and and even that, you know, you're, you're going to have some of the butter and salt. You, yeah. you just you have to be careful, and I think I've learned how to do it. You know, generally, I like potato chips too. Any any oh, anything yeah. anything at all. There's a there's a TikToker named Barry. Mm. <laughs> In the chips with Barry, man, he reviews <laughs> he reviews potato chips Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, and then on the oh, weekend. Wow. On Saturday, he reviews how they would how they go into a sandwich, like just between two slices of buttered bread, <laughs> which sounds kind of crazy, but that 
it does work because you got the oh. richness of the butter kind of enhancing some of these flavors and just see how it is. There's some great, he reviews chips from all over the world. And man, some of these, uh, it seems like there's an Irish company that just really goes, goes out there and, and does crazy things with their, with, <laughs> with their chips. Um, but I do, I do enjoy getting some potato chips to sit oh, me snack too. On. Yeah. If we're talking generally, that's absolutely my weakness. I can walk by a table of sweets you know, fairly easily, you know, that usually is not too tempting to me, but if it's something like chips, like anything salty chips in both senses of the world, deferring to our UK listeners, you know, French fries or chips and or potato chips, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I'm (laughs) stuck. We, we have to kind of not order too many or not get too many at the grocery store. Cause if they're around, I just can't (laughs) say no. Well, I, this is embarrassing, but I, I, they were four for like, you know, on sale for the holidays, four mm. bags of, of, of chips for, uh, I think $5, maybe even Ooh. I brought them right here into my office. <laughs> Hide them from the kids. That's right. Yeah, I'll have to share, them. I'll have to share some of them because I did buy a sour cream and onion, which I enjoy, but it's mostly my son who likes that one. So I'll get him. I'll, I'll crack, I'll, you know, I'll get him out. Yeah, but, should. but I wouldn't want to well. disappear. <laughs> I know. I was going to say that probably wouldn't go well with um, a podcast, though, at least for me. The, the sound yeah. of somebody eating chips in a microphone might be enough for me to unsubscribe. So, <laughs> <laughs> No, we probably won't snack on, on the podcast, but <laughs> but I do. I like I like that almost, you know, I, I like that kind of stuff in, in the summer as well, but it just feels nice again, part of that sitting down and settling mm-hmm. in for a while, um, you know. I'll, I'll, I love nuts too. And, and Christmas is a great time to go buy some, some various kinds of nuts. And I, yeah, it's not the best time of day to sit and eat those if I'm, you know, it's 11 o'clock or, or, right. or midnight, but it is something that I enjoy when it comes to just settling in and, and reading and having that moment. So well, I think what, what we're kind of picking up on here is that it's like a little bit of decadence, you know, around winter, you know, I think it's, yeah. it kind of ties into something I was going to read. I'm going to cheat a little and introduce an extra book here, but it's that idea of, I don't know if it's like, you know, not storing up for the winter, but just kind of like we were talking about, it's cold and kind of brutal outside maybe and you're inside and, you know, cuddled up and eating like a squirrel stuck in a tree kind of thing. So yeah, that's <laughs> right. We, we have, we have, uh, we did our work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I was, I mean, have you, there's a book called Wintering by Catherine May. Have you heard about this or, or read that book yet? Mm, I haven't read it. I don't know if I've heard of it. Yeah, I've heard really of the good. concept of wintering. So yeah, <laughs> she, she goes all in. And I was just going to read a little section that kind of ties into what we're talking about. And I thought it was a nice setup for this episode. She says, a surprising cluster of novels and fairy tales are set in the snow. Our knowledge of winter is a fragment of childhood, almost innate. All the careful preparations that animals make to endure the cold, foodless months. Hibernation and migration, deciduous trees dropping leaves. This is no accident. The changes that take place in winter are a kind of alchemy, an enchanted an enchantment performed by ordinary creatures to survive. Dormice laying on fat to hibernate, swallows navigating to South Africa, trees blazing out the final weeks of autumn. It is all very well to survive the abundant months of the spring and summer, but in winter we witness the full glory of nature's flourishing in lean times. Plants and animals don't fight the winter. They don't pretend it's not happening and attempt to carry on living the same lives that they lived in the summer. They prepare. They adapt. They perform extraordinary acts of metamorphosis to get them through. Winter is a time of withdrawing from the world, 
maximizing scant resources, carrying out acts of brutal efficiency and vanishing from sight. But that's where the transformation occurs. Winter is not the death of the life cycle, but it's crucible. And it goes on. I just really like that. Yeah, it's really good. And this book is really interesting. It's it's a group of essays that she has done. And it's all about, um, you know, obviously wintering, but often in the sense of not just in the winter, but those times of our lives where it feels like winter, you know, where there's been a period of sadness or, you know, something has disrupted our normal life. And, and she's basically talking about how it's okay to pull into yourself. And it's actually very healing. Um, she says, in moments of helplessness, I always seem to travel north. I have a kind of boreal wanderlust mm. and urge toward the top of the world where the ice intrudes. In the cold, I find I can think straight. The air feels clean and uncluttered. And so there's a lot of this idea of instead of cold being a negative, it's it's like a healing thing. And so she tells some different stories. She, I was trying to think, she goes to some um, like water, geothermal waters that are in Iceland she visits Stonehenge and talks about, you know, some of that. It's very, it's all over the place, but it's the theme of it is basically this idea of rebuilding yourself and rejuvenating centered around the idea of winter. So yeah. Anyway, I just liked that excerpt and I thought it mm. kind of tied in nicely to the general theme of what we're talking about today. Yeah. That's awesome. I want to read that now because that's beautifully put. And mm-hmm. again, just I don't know. So, so much of the nature writing that you share is, is just very hopeful in a way. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's something about being able to, to dig down into uh, some of this, what makes us tick and, and go through these seasons and experience mm-hmm. life a little bit differently and maybe more richly. I, I love it. I love it. Yeah. Things like the Peregrine, you know, um, yeah. can be, can be kind of devastating. And yet, really reshape your perspective on things for for a time yeah and i love that i really like how it focuses on the cycles of nature and and kind of instead of just letting it blur by you you're kind of acknowledging change the years going by how things affect Mm -hmm. you and you know winter can be one of those times where you know i know that some people can get you know bummed out or or you know it's not always Mm -hmm. just cheerful and happy and so i think it's important to just acknowledge all that but also like you said there can be positives to that as well of, of rather than ignoring it or pretending it's shameful just kind of acknowledging it and and talking about it so yeah that's a really yeah. good book and i think it, it it does just provide a different aspect of this whole idea of winter reading there's lots of different angles to it do you have any traditional reads that you do over the over the winter or the holidays that kind of just just to get that cyclical idea you know to get the this is this is when I do this and kind of makes you feel a mm-hmm. part of your past as well. Anything like that? I mean, it can be Christmassy or not, but yeah. anything like that? I mean, the main one is, again, not going to be all that out of the norm, but I read the Christmas Carol, Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol. I, I don't want to say every year, but it's probably pretty close to every year. And that's something that um, started with my mom. She would always read it to us when we were mm-hmm. young. And I think I mentioned how she reads David Copperfield. Yeah. Once a year and always around this time of year as well. So for me, again, not surprisingly, but Dickens is definitely, I won't say that I do it every year, but this is the time of year where I do read The Christmas Carol pretty often because it's pretty short. And often, yeah. if I'm thinking of the types of books that I want to read this time of year, I don't always do it, but Dickens comes up for me quite often. Um, mm-hmm. That's the main one. I mean, when the kids were younger, we would read, you know, like 
Dr. Seuss, The Grinch Who Stole Christmas. That would be like an annual one to read around this time of year for sure. Um, and a few of those that, you know, I think when the kids are younger, especially there are certain ones that you read <laughs> traditionally every year. I don't know that I have any other ones um, off the top of my head that I read every year. How about you? So I, I read Truman Capote's A Christmas Memory oh, okay. um, most years. I read it last year, I know, and I read it the year before. And I have a, a last year I bought a little nice hardback of it that just really nice. I don't know why every year I start it. I'm like, I can't quite remember why I like this one so much. And then by the end, I'm like, Oh, that's why I like this one so much. <laughs> yep, <laughs> it's, it's really, um, I, I like that one. And I like, I like his writing. I like this sense of, of a time that, you know, gets even further into the past. I mean, even when I was a kid, it was, you know, in the past, but only by a few decades now, it's like, man, that's a whole, you know, a whole other century. And, getting closer to actually a century ago, the things that he's writing about in that, you know, for our parents and our grandparents' generation. Yeah. Um, it's just, it, so I, I do really like A Christmas Memory. But along along the lines you were talking about with books for your kids, with The mm-hmm. Grinch Who Stole Christmas, <laughs> have, have you ever, do you ever read Mac Barnett's children's books? I don't believe I've read those. Oh man, this guy... I love his work. He he has been so um, fun. Uh, I, I anyway, you'll have to check him out. Um, but he has this series um, of books about a dog named Jack. <laughs> they are, I was in Barnes and Noble one day, and I was like, "Oh, I haven't read these these Mac Barnett books yet." And oh man, they're 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 very short. They're picture books, but they have little chapters. I mean, they look like juvenile books, and they I mean they are really small. Like there's Jack at the Zoo, Jack at Bat, but he's got this really fun rhythm to them. Jack goes west. Um, they are hilarious. They I mean they they are subversive. They are really well paced and well timed. And my wife just brought home the Christmas one, Jack and Santa. <laughs> Oh, Paul, I think your kids, even, you know, even though you're not reading them picture books anymore, would love this one. She read it to me and I was, you know, <laughs> just, just, just a blast. And he's, he, he's very funny. Um, I mean, I'm almost tempted to be like, do you want to get me the Jack books for Christmas? You know? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so I might, uh, I might recommend that if you, if you get out there um, and find it at your, your library or something like that. Uh, go with these these Jack books and with the um, Jack and Santa in particular for this time. Okay, nice. (laughs) I like that. Yeah, it's funny. I kind of miss that as our kids get older because there are other patterns that develop, but we're at that time of life where the the boys are both teenagers. And so we're, it's that weird in-between stage of like, we're keeping a lot of traditions alive, but realistically, some of them are, you know, moving on or changing or whatever Mm -hmm. and so it's you know some of it's kind of nice to be honest there's a relief sometimes and not everything staying the same but then there's also those sad times of like oh we might not do that anymore but i guess that's where you hold on for you know down the road there might be other kids who come along grandkids or whatever and but yeah it's so much fun to just have those and that's one of the best things about this time of year is it's one of those reminders of you know, it seems to be one of those times where traditions play in, whether it's something as small as reading the night before Christmas, you know, on Christmas mm-hmm. Eve, or just some of those things that build up the memories of a life. 
Um, really quickly, because I, 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 I would let this time pass without bringing it up, but another traditional read that I might suggest mm-hmm. is some of Robert Valser's more wintry writing. Oh, that's a good idea. Um, I mean, I read, he's got great spring writing, great summer writing. I don't know if I can, th- yeah, he probably has some great fall writing, but he also has some really great winter writing in particular, mm-hmm. uh, especially, I mean, he, he, he died on a walk mm-hmm. on Christmas day. I mean, there's just something about that alone, even though he didn't then turn around and write about it. <laughs> right. There, there's something in his writing that, that hearkens to that as well. Um, I really do love getting into some Robert Valser uh, around this time of year as well. And it, and it takes me through into the spring because he has such a, I don't know, an energetic hopefulness, mm-hmm. um, in, in a lot of his writing that goes from the winter into spring. It's like, those are the two seasons uh, for him, winter and spring. And it goes back and forth, even in the same day, a lot of times, uh, both to the, the sense of wintering and the beauty of it, but also the darkness and the depression mm-hmm. um, and the, the, the peaks uh, of sunlight and sunshine in the spring. Very, very good stuff. Yeah, but... absolutely. No, All that's right. A good idea. And anything else that, uh, you know, as you winter in uh, for, for reading, um, I know we each have some books that we're, we're going to talk about as far as maybe what are, what we're planning on reading this winter, mm-hmm. um, whether again, they're holiday books or, or beyond, uh, we'll, we'll get into them, but anything else before we move into that, that phase? Yeah. I mean, the only other thing I will say is just, it's been on my mind. I talk a lot about how I like to listen to audiobooks while going on walks. Uh-huh. And this week, it hasn't been, it's been chilly here. There's a little bit of snow on the ground, but it hasn't, it's not full blown, you know, like snowing kind of yeah. a thing, but I've had several long walks this week listening, you know, it doesn't even really matter what you're listening to, but something about being told a story while you're walking through a wintry landscape or a yeah, cold landscape. I really like winter walks a lot because it tends to be the, the paths around here, around our house. We have, we're lucky enough to live where there's a lot of really nice paths and big bluffs and things. Um, and it's a good thing, but they're often very well used. I mean, if you go out on a spring or a summer night, you know, there's dogs and people everywhere, which I like. But this time of year, especially when it's colder or windy or especially when it's snowing, you can get those moments of solitude where you're out walking. Maybe it's dark and cold and, and on the borderline of uncomfortable. But if you're dressed appropriately, it's just nice to be out there. And mm-hmm. it's kind of that pleasant loneliness where it's just you and, and nature and maybe a story, you know or a, a book playing, you know, those, those are some of my favorite moments. So that's something else I just thought I'd mention that's turning into one of my favorite things to do in the winter whenever I can. Nice. I've done that a few times as well. I remember a few years ago listening to the Steve Jobs biography mm-hmm. while walking around in very cold November weather. And um, that's always been something that I've tried to kind of recreate almost. And at this yeah. time of year too, we don't have a lot of those kinds of things right here in town or anything like that. But everyone has Christmas lights, it feels like. It's yeah. just kind of fun to get out there in the dark and, like you say, the, the very quiet mm-hmm. and have someone telling you a story. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like that. Nice, nice. So settling settling out. How do we put exactly. that in, in our, oh, in that's our true. for the long winter's read? Uh, going out. <laughs> it's interesting how it can be cozy, even though it's the antithesis of everything else right. we've described. You're, right. you're usually fairly cold. You're not inside. You don't have anything to eat. But yeah, no, it's it's another fun way to do it. Nice. Well, what are some of the, you know, we can do this one by one, or if you want to just kind of talk through some of the moods or books you're wanting to read over the next little bit. 
yeah, we, we can go back and forth if you think that's if that's how you prepared uh, sure. for it. But also, I if mean, you haven't, then just dive in. Okay. No, I'll start off. And this is one. Um, this would is a reread, and it's a book that I haven't read in a few years. But when I was trying to think of books that remind me of winter or that bring about a wintry feeling, this was one that came up, and it's The Snow Queen by Michael Cunningham. We've talked a lot mm-hmm. about him in the past, you know, mostly around the hours. And then I think uh, Simon Thomas mentioned Specimen Days on the episode where he was. And I really like his writing. I've actually listened to a lot of his books via audiobook, and it's been a wonderful way to experience his, his works. But this one, The Snow Queen, is really interesting. It's very loosely based on the fairy tale of the same name by Hans Christian Andersen. Um, I had I was reading about it this week because I don't know that I've ever read The Snow Queen, you know, from beginning to end. Everybody yeah. probably has some ideas of the story or Frozen, the Frozen version I, of it. Or yeah, I think that's <laughs> when I first read it was when that mm-hmm. came out. And I thought, oh, let's see what the original and I don't remember it, but I remember feeling it was quite different. Yeah, exactly. But, and this, again, I would say very, very loosely based. But one of the things that I like about it is it's just got a lot of great winter imagery in it um you know so there there is a moment near the beginning where someone does get a snowflake that goes into their eye and it kind of you know harkens to that idea of you know it's it's not on the nose but just that idea of how it's you know his vision is being changed but there's just several scenes within it that are making me maybe want to pick it up again this winter as i'm thinking about it um and it's set in brooklyn and so you know it's this group of people um there's a 38 year old man named barrett and he works in a vintage clothing store. You know, he has an older brother, Tyler, who's a musician who's really struggling. And he's got a drug habit that is a big part of the book. And then Tyler's girlfriend, Beth, um, is going through a cancer diagnosis. So, you know, on the surface, it's not like it's a cheerful wintry read, but it's just, it's a really, um, anybody who's read his books knows that he's so good at like relationships and characters. And again, like I said, what makes me think about it for this setting is just the wintry scenery. So I'll just read a little short snippet here. This is just one example from near the beginning. It's talking about the neighborhood where he lives. And it says Knickerbocker is muffled and nascent and dreamless empty, except for a few cars crawling cautiously along, cutting their headlights into the falling snow. It's been coming down since midnight snow eddies and tumbles as the point of equinox passes and the sky starts all but imperceptibly turning from its nocturnal blackish Brown to the lucid velvet gray of first morning. New York's only innocent sky. And so, you know, that's just a little piece of it. And then he walks over into Central Park and it says the sky regarded him, noted him, closed its eye again and returned to what were, as Barrett can only imagine, more revelatory, incandescent, galaxy-wheeling dreams. And so it kind of ties into what we were just talking about. Like he's walking around at night. In this case, it's in the city, which is another thing that we didn't talk about. But I think a big city, you know, around this time of year can be Hmm. so festive and interesting. But you know, again, I, I don't know that this um, really ties into like any kind of holiday. It's got some bleakness to it, like many of his books, but it does have that Snow Queen tie in and a lot of wintry imagery that just when I was trying to think of some books that I had read or that I wanted to read based in the winter or that made me think of winter, this one sprung to mind for me. Have you happened to have read it? No, no, I haven't. In fact, I haven't really been following Michael Cunningham's career that well. I mm-hmm. thought that I knew some of them, but you you guys keep bringing up books. And I'm like, what? He wrote that too? I yeah. don't know if I ever really even recognized that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's just a really, it's a really nice um, New York 
not nice. I, I say that that doesn't that's not the right description, but it's a very <laughs> well written New York book. So, you know, hmm. depending on the people, you know, he does seem to have certain themes where it's like these threesomes or three stories, you know, the, the triptych thing seems to work through. And in this case, it's just really good on the complications of, of different friendships and people going through different things. But um, like I said, especially tying in with some of the the um, mythology of the Snow Queen, it's kind of one of those that's, that's, that's fun this time of year. So I would definitely re- recommend it. Relatively recently, I see his last one he wrote from what I'm seeing in 2014, last one he published. Yeah. So hmm, I, think, yeah. I don't know why I missed that, but oh, well, good, good to know. Well, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be digging in very shortly. In fact, this is my next uh, book after I finish the Lost Metal, and I may even start touching on it even before as the moods shift and such. Mm-hmm. But this is one that you will be able to to talk talk about. Okay. I don't know if it's super wintry, but it just felt right um, for the time and to just sit down and reflect and such. But I am finally going to be jumping into uh, Kate Zambrino's drifts. That's awesome. And, uh, you know, I I need to just really jump into her work in general. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this, I've never read any of it, but I keep on thinking this could be, uh, you know, a great, a great relationship mm-hmm. <laughs> as, as many of our friends have with her, with her works. Um, Absolutely. So at any rate, I'm excited because, you know, here's what the back of the book says. Beguiling and compulsively readable, Kate Zambrano's Drifts is an intimate portrait of creative obsession. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that feels wintry to me, but uh, at work on a novel that is overdue, taking long walks with her restless terrier, the narrator grows obsessed with the challenge of writing the present tense of capturing time itself. And at the end, I note that it does say as winter closes in, a series of disturbances leaves her distracted and uncertain until an intense and tender disruption changes everything. So as winter, you know, it seems like winter's on the horizon in the book. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, so, and I thought drifts clearly it's about the snow, right? <laughs> uh, well, I don't want to spoil anything. I, you, you might be a little disappointed on that part of it, but no, I think that's a great one. I, I don't know. I don't remember it being seasonal and that doesn't mean it mm-hmm. wasn't, but I think absolutely that idea of, there's a lot of solitude and creativity and her working on things. And then she spends a lot of time talking about other artists and it's very focused. You know, I don't know if it's exactly like Kate Briggs, but that idea of the creative process and the creative mind, yeah, which I think is one of those things where people, um, you know, this time of year where you can kind of be closed in and there's some solitude and everything like that. Yeah, no, that's a great one. I, I love her stuff and I keep meaning to, to branch out. I've read that one twice now. But yeah. have yet to read anything else by her, and that needs to change. So I, I've I don't got. Want to put, oh, good. I was going to say I've got Oh Fallen Angel on my docket as well, mm-hmm. um, but I want to read Drifts first since it's the first one I really ever you know registered um, mm-hmm. and that you've recommended. So yeah. I'm I'm excited about that. No, I love it. And actually, I misspoke. I did read another one of her books. It was Green Girl, which was like I think it was her first book. And my understanding is it's very different from any of her other stuff and it, it's enjoyable but i would not um it, it's got mm-hmm. doesn't have a lot in common with drifts for sure but yeah no that'll be great i'll be very curious to hear i know that you know many other people that we're friends with are you know experts on zambrino or at least super fans who have read everything that she's written including 
Kim McNeil, for example. Um, yeah, Rebecca, Rebecca Hussey yeah. is, is also really, uh, it feels feels like she's really digging into him as well. And those two mm-hmm. in particular, who I was thinking of, um, that seem to seem to always have another one of her books in the on on the on the ready to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can't no, <talk>. absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. No, I'm excited. I, I don't want to put too much pressure on, but I would be pretty surprised if she doesn't end up being or that book doesn't end up being one that you really enjoy no i'm, I'm anxious to to see i, I assume yeah. so yeah absolutely well All right. you you always talk about how people might get tired of you talking about brandon sanderson i'm i'm in similar territory here because uh, when we think about winter books i just had to talk about the magic mountain again um i know i've talked about this one a lot but it really is just an absolutely perfect winter book um and it's one of those, it continues. I read it in the summer, as I've mentioned, which is bizarre, but it continues to grow in my memory. And I mentioned how it keeps coming up in these other books, even twice this week, I've had it come up in books that I've been reading. And so it was just on my mind and it continues to just become one of those all-time reading experiences. And to the point where I'm like, I could see myself mm-hmm. getting several different editions, reading different translations. And I don't know if I'll do it this winter because it was it's only been a year, I think, since I read it. But I really could see myself reading it again, you know, maybe by next winter and just kind of leaning in. But there's just it fits every criteria of what I would think of as a winter book. You know, it's the setting, obviously, you know, up on a mountain peak. Um, It's got the good length, which is something that I think could be one of the key parts of a reading experience Mm -hmm. in the winter. I mean, it doesn't have to be, but it is a good time to settle in with a big, long classic and just, you know, soak into it. And then the subject matter too, um, I read something online that I hadn't thought about, but that makes it a really good winter book is it's all about illness. (laughs) And this is a time of year where, you know, it's usually not anything as serious as what the characters are going through, but you know, you're fighting off colds and flus and things like that. And there can be that coziness of an illness, I think, or at least that where you're kind of forced to just settle into the fact that you're not feeling well and you're just gonna, you know, cocoon yourself up and it is what it is. So I think that part's interesting. There's a section that I was thinking about. Okay. Tell me if this isn't the best description for winter. It's all about the art of wrapping oneself because a big part of the people who are up there, they have all these very strange rituals and these things that they need to do to get better. And so this is from the Hans is the main character. And this is from his perspective. It says, as he watched Joaquin get ready for his rescuer, slipping into his tunic-like house jacket, putting an old overcoat on over that, and then taking the nightstand lamp and his Russian grammar with him out to the balcony, where he turned on the lamps, stuck his thermometer in his mouth, sat down, and began to wrap himself with amazing dexterity in two large camel hair blankets that lay spread over the chair. Hans Kastorp watched in frank admiration of how deftly he performed the task of throwing one blanket over the other, first the left side, flung lengthwise all the way up to under his armpit, then the bottom tucked over his feet, and then the right side, so that it finally built a smooth, regular package with only head, shoulders, and arms sticking out. You do that very well, Hans said. It's a matter of practice, Joaquin responded, holding the thermometer firmly between his teeth as he spoke. You'll learn how to. We'll definitely have to find a couple of blankets for you tomorrow. You'll be able to use them down below again, too, and they're an absolute necessity up here, especially since you don't have a fur-lined sleeping bag. And so there's just these whole sections of like very detailed. It reminds me of like swaddling a newborn. They have it down to a science and they go out on the deck and they're looking out over the mountains and it's snowing, but they're wrapped up in these blankets and they, you know, it's just, wow. 
about as wintry as it could possibly be. So I don't know, the more I think about this, I had forgotten about that part until I was kind of digging around <laughs> in the book thinking about this. But um, yeah, I know I keep talking about this one, but it just it haunts me. So several of us on Twitter have been talking a lot about Thomas Mann, and we are trying to get our courage up next year. I think we're going to do a group read of Joseph and his brothers, which is another mm. one of Thomas Mann's big monster books. I think this one is like <laughs> 1,500 pages. So um, yeah, he just continues to, wow. to play on my mind. Pages. I know. You ready to join us, Trevor? I don't know. I still need to read The Magic Mountain, and I'm waiting for Susan Bernofsky's translation, or at least that's my excuse for, for yeah. not jumping right into it. <laughs> exactly. Well, I picked up one of those. It's the Everyman editions of that of the um, Joseph and his brothers. Joseph and his brothers. I keep wanting to say the book of Jacob. Um, yeah, Joseph <laughs> and his brothers. And then I noticed that there is a Magic Mountain volume in that set that is by the other translator, which I don't yet have. And that's what I'm talking about. I could see this turning into one of yeah. those where you end up having like three or four copies of it. So anyway. Yeah, Thomas Mann continues to be heavily on my mind. <laughs> does Thomas Mann, does he come up in drifts? That's a good question. I, I know there's a lot of artists and like writers, and, and it seems like, you know, there's Rilke, I know. I think you told me there's some Valser. Mm-hmm. So, Rilke and Valser, definitely. I don't remember Thomas Mann specifically, but I wouldn't be surprised. I'll, I'll let you know. Let me know. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, that's another that's, one that... That's cool. It's as wintry of a book as you could possibly find. That is cool. And I'm, I am very excited to get into it someday. Um, like like Proust, it's a book that has sat there for a while and I I need to just sit down. But at least with at least with this one, I have a, a somewhat of a of a goal for when when the book comes out from Susan Bernofsky. I, I do intend to just settle in. Yeah, I, <laughs> smart. I don't know. I, I know that she blogs about it sometimes about progress. And yeah. I think when we did our episode about this, I misspoke and thought it was coming out in 2023. But I, I think that must have just been wishful thinking because I don't know that there's a release date that I've seen. I haven't seen, seen one. And I look every once in a while. It's been a few weeks, I think, or a month or two since yeah. I last looked um, to see. But yeah. I don't, I don't know. know. What's could... taken her so long? I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> it's that French passage, you know? How do you deal yeah, with that? That's, that's right. That's all it is. It's well known for being a, just a breezy, light, quick read. I mean, I don't know what the big deal. No, I cannot imagine what would go into that. Not only length and complexity, but just, we. I think we might've talked about this before with some of these translations. What a responsibility I would feel. Oh yeah. You're, for, you have to do something special or new with this absolute yeah. masterwork. I mean, it's You've got a book that's been available in English for, you know, not quite a century, but getting mm-hmm. close to that that from a Nobel prize winner and already has a few translations. I mean, the, 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 the sense of, of responsibility to do it right. And to, Mm -hmm. to, I'm sure they feel that all the time, you know, it's not like, Oh, this is a bigger deal than the other books that I've been translating where I didn't care about making it. Right. right, You know, but there is, um, I'm sure something, you you know, you're going to be read by scholars and people who are, you know, I I was there when this book first was published in English mm-hmm. and this, you know, so <laughs> yeah, that pressure, uh, but I will get there. I will get there. Yeah. Paul. yeah. No, no pressure. It'll be waiting for you. <laughs> well, the, the one that I'll bring up um, is also another long one that I, I do intend to read this, this winter. And it's one we've talked about quite a bit mm-hmm. on the podcast. Uh, 
not because either of us have read it, but mm-hmm. Archipelago published uh, Halder Laxness's Salka Valka mm-hmm. earlier this year, translated from the Icelandic by Philip Rufton. And we had a giveaway for it, but it feels very wintry. The The very opening, um, very first page is a coastal steamer is arriving and it's snowing everywhere, you know, kind of... Um, it's just, it's cold, and there are two uh, two travelers, it says, and their conversation goes something like this. When sailing on such a cold and bleak winter's night along these shores, you get the impression that nothing in the world could be more insignificant and meaningless than such a small village under such high mountains. How do people live in such a place? And how do they die? What do they say to each other when they wake in the morning? How do they look at each other on Sundays? And what does the priest feel when he steps into the pulpit at Christmas or Easter? I don't mean what does he say, but what in all honesty does he think? Does he see how pointless it all is? And what do the merchant's daughters think about before going to sleep? Yes, what sort of sorts of joys and what sorts of sorrows in fact thrive around those dim glimmers from their, their, from their little oil lamps? I'm certain that in such places, people's conviction of the futility of existence is reflected in each other's eyes. Surely everyone must admit that it's absolutely useless to live in such a place, there being no low ground here except for that little valley, which apparently owes its bottom entirely to the river's sediment. All culture, all human contentment, are created on level ground. In a place that's impossible to escape, and where there's never any hope of meeting strangers, nothing can ever be expected either. What would happen, for instance, if the priest's son stopped fancying the merchant's daughter? Yes, what would happen? I'm just asking. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the story we're about to read mm-hmm. <laughs> or what, but I, I, you know, it feels very wintry and I like the sense of, you know, bleakness that can, that such a scene can inspire. Yeah. But absolutely. I'm guessing also an examination of, hey, you, it it does happen here too, you know. Yeah. This is life. And this is how it goes. Uh, I'm glad you brought that one up. I I rushed out, bought it immediately as I'm wont to do, <laughs> and it is one that I, you know, I don't ever want to put pressure on myself, but it's one. It's like, why have I not read that yet? Because it just sounds every time yeah. we mention it or every time I hear anything about it, it sounds so wonderful. I actually picked up one of his other books, Independent People. I saw it on mm-hmm. one of the used yeah. bookstore bookshelves the other day and so now I've had I have it for two. a while mm-hmm. <laughs> i have three because <laughs> yeah. nice. i also have wayward heroes oh wait i have uh, that one too <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're we're we're, we're both the uh, big fans of this fellow we've never read <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's the only author that i do that with i've never right. read anything like that before. yeah if once we once we correct this <laughs> yeah no that sounds wonderful i mean like you said that does seem like it would be a great book so that i don't know i'm kind of wondering if that might be a good january february read for me you know i don't know if i could get to it before mm-hmm. the end of the year but no that's a great choice it, it might settle into being that for me um drifts seems like the kind of book i can read while having something like this also going on mm-hmm. oh yeah so it absolutely. might be that both of those happen at about the same time but we'll, we'll that's see. a great idea now it's interesting what I'm noticing a trend here with our picks because we had not really put too many specifications on this other than kind of wintry books. And I find that you're picking new books or books you haven't read yet, new to you books. Mm-hmm. 
I didn't plan this, but all three of mine are actually rereads. And that brings up something that is interesting. <laughs> I wonder if I tend to return to favorites or do rereading more often in the winter. Hmm. And I don't know, you know, I'd have to think about that a little bit, but that is something I think with, when I think about winter books, it is a time where I can see myself returning to old favorites and maybe doing rereads. And like I said, I didn't plan it, but it's just something interesting. That it's the ghost of Christmas past. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I will continue that theme. Um, the third book that I picked is actually somewhere between a long short story and a short novella, but it's part of a bigger collection, which is, um, so James Joyce Dubliners is a book is a, you know, a series that I have read yeah. a, a couple times over the years, but it's one that I've been thinking about a lot lately after having finished Ulysses. I just want to continue. I'm not quite ready for Finnegan's Wake, but I do want to return to A Portrait of the Artist and to Dubliners. And actually this week, while I was thinking about it, I went ahead and reread The Dead, which is the final story. Mm. And it is just a wonderful winter holiday story in pretty much every sense of the word. Um, I think a lot of people probably know, but I'll just give a real brief summary. So it's centered around the main character is uh, Gabriel Conroy, who's a teacher. And he and his wife, Greta, are going to the annual Christmas party hosted by his aunts. And they arrive late and they kind of walk into the middle of this hustle and bustle of this big party that's going on. And it just encapsulates everything about the holidays. There's kind of awkward encounters with people. There's misunderstandings. They're talking politics at the table, yeah. <laughs> you know, all these different things. But there's a section in particular, as I was reading it, I was like, oh, a big part of winter is food, like we've talked about, and especially the holidays. Some of the descriptions of the table setting. So I was just going to read one. I mean, it's the epitome of the holidays to me. So it says, a fat brown goose lay at one end of the table and at the other end on a bed of creased paper strewn with sprigs of parsley lay a great ham stripped of its outer skin and peppered over with crust crumbs, a neat paper frill round its shin, and beside this was a round piece of spiced beef. Between these rival ends ran parallel lines of side dishes, two little minsters of jelly, red and yellow, a shallow dish full of blocks of blancmange and red jam, a large green leaf-shaped dish with a stalk-shaped handle, on which lay bunches of purple raisins and peeled almonds, a companion dish, on which lay a solid rectangle of Smyrna figs, a dish of custard topped with grated nutmeg, a small bowl full of chocolates and sweets wrapped in gold and silver papers, and a glass vase in which stood some tall celery stalks. In the center of the table there stood, as sentries to a fruit stand which upheld a pyramid of oranges and American apples, two squat old-fashioned decanters of cut glass, one containing port and the other dark sherry. On the closed square piano, a pudding and a huge yellow dish lay in waiting and behind it were three squads of bottles of stout and ale and minerals, drawn up according to the colors of their uniforms, the first two black with brown and red labels, the third and smallest squad white with transverse green sashes. Gabriel took his seat boldly at the head of the table, and having looked to the edge of the carver, plunged his fork firmly into the goose. He felt quite at ease now, for he was an expert carver and liked nothing better, better than to find himself at the head of a well-laden table. "'Miss Furlong, what shall I send you?' he asked. "'A wing or a slice of the breast?' Just a small slice of the breast. Miss Higgins, what for you? Oh, anything at all, Mr. Conroy. While Gabriel and Miss Daly exchanged plates of goose and plates of ham and spiced beef, Lily went from guest to guest with a dish of hot, floury potatoes wrapped in a white napkin. This was Mary Jane's idea, 
and she had also suggested applesauce for the goose, but Aunt Kate had said that plain roast goose without any applesauce had always been good enough for her, and she hoped she might never eat worse. And so it goes on. There's a whole another paragraph like that. <laughs> I, I could read the whole thing because it's so wonderful, but it's just so good about the holidays. You know, the the strong opinions of the, the elderly aunt who, you know, there's no reason for that. We've never done it that way. And, you know, kind of that tradition of the master carver gets up and he starts plying his trade and asking what people want. And <laughs> But just the descriptions of, of all the food sounds so delicious. And um, just that whole story, oh man, as I was reading it, it reminded me of just how good it is. Not only human nature and all of that stuff, but, you know, there's a lot of melancholy and sadness to it, especially. And then yeah. the closing of that story, as I was reading it, I was just blown away all over again. Just, I don't know if I should read it or not. Do you have any, Well, um, I don't know so- if it would be as powerful if you didn't read the whole thing, but. It's, I don't know. I'd be curious. But um, if we ever did an episode on our favorite endings, you know, mm-hmm. spoiler warning kind of thing, the dead would certainly, uh, buy, I'm sure, I think it would show up on my list, but it would definitely be a strong contender because that oh, that man. last uh, page or so is pretty phenomenal. It absolutely is. And, and having reread it again just now, you know, I, I guess it was two days ago, um, the whole thing is absolutely amazing i know this is not groundbreaking news to anyone but it really did make me want to pick up the entire collection but if anybody has some time over over december even if you don't read the entire collection just pick up that story it's i don't know how many pages it is it's the longest one yeah it's it's relatively long but you could still easily read it in one sitting um i would highly recommend either first time readers or just a reread because Ooh, rereading it again. I just sat there. I just closed it afterwards and just sat there for a while. I was just kind of stunned all over again at how amazing it is. Nice, nice. Yeah. yeah. And very wintry it takes place. What is it? 12th? What What is it? The, the, the holiday. It's not the Christmas holiday. It's the one that we don't really celebrate here in the U.S. that I know of, but the Saints holiday and mm-hmm. like 12 days after or something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't remember off the top of my head, but yeah, but it's so, very much within that window. Mm-hmm. of Everyone's still doing the, the, it's, it's a big, long, you know, drawn out all, mm-hmm. all celebrating all this stuff. It's, I love that one too. Mm-hmm. Well, for my next and, and, and final pick, I've got one that will be a very different mood, but I think is still quite holiday and wintry. Um, it, is one we've we've even brought up on the podcast before it's kate milford's the green glass house oh yeah and i can't remember exactly when we brought it up last but it's one that's been on my list of to read for some time and my wife recommended that i read it to our boys over over the you know over the next month or so because it's very um i think it takes place over the christmas holidays so, in fact, here's what it says on the back. It's wintertime at Green Glass House. The creaky Smuggler's Inn is always quiet during the season, and 12-year-old Milo, the innkeeper's adopted son, plans to spend his holidays relaxing. But on the first icy night of vacation, out of nowhere, the guest bell rings. Then rings again and again. Soon Milo's house is or home is bursting with odd, secretive guests, each one bearing a strange story that is somehow connected to the rambling old house. And then just kind of, you know, goes on there, but she really enjoyed it, has recommended that we read it together. And, and I, I just like how it starts too. It says there is a right way to do things and a wrong way. If you're going to run a hotel in a smuggler's town. 
that sounds good. <laughs> so it just sounds fun. And she, you know, I take, I take her, her recommendations seriously for it. Um, but I'm also really excited to, to read this with the boys over, over the, you know, the next month as we get ready for the holidays and kind of are in this, this zone. Um, I read last year, right after Christmas, the, the Westing game. Mm-hmm. And that was so much fun to read to them. They were, you know, in, invested in the mystery. They were trying, you know, it was fun to have them talk about what they were thinking was going on afterwards. And it was just a lot of fun to have those moments together where, you know, put put the screens aside, you know, exactly. let's go and take a break, bring some of your your Christmas treats or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and let's, let's sit and, and read this for a while and get excited. And I'm, I'm hoping that this one provides a similar uh, experience and I'm looking forward to the book myself. I mean, I had read the Westing game, but it'd been so long that I couldn't quite remember <laughs> everything. It was kind of like reading it for the first time, yeah. but this one I've, I've not read and I'm just looking forward to it. Yeah, that sounds like a great one. I'll be curious. You'll have to report back because I know we have a copy around here and I believe one or both of the boys read it over the years and it always appealed to me just the mm-hmm. little bit I knew about it like you just described and it has such a great cover yeah um, so I might actually whether the boys do, are interested do, or not I might to, just read it myself do you want me to call you up and we'll FaceTime as I read exactly. it exactly yeah <laughs> gather around Christ- gather around my- Paul <laughs> I'll get my Christmas treats and come join the party yeah absolutely <laughs> make sure you wear your Christmas pajamas <laughs> yeah exactly I'll get the footies on and be ready to go <laughs> Uh, that's a good one. You'll have to let me know. That sounds really appealing. Um, I was going to ask you, I mean, we didn't go over this ahead of time. Are there any other kind of honorable mentions? Or Because as I was thinking of wintry books, again, a lot of these are ones I've already read, but I'll just name a few. And if you want to join in, you know, we've talked about Laura Ingalls Wilder and uh, The Long Winter, as far as just a description of all things winter, both the hardships and, you know, some there's some great Christmas scenes. That one to me is a wonderful choice. Um I was thinking of Silas Marner, you know, that just has so many, it's pretty bleak, but it has a lot of great wintry scenes. Um, and then Philip Pullman's books, which I know we've talked about a little bit in the past. I mean, there are some wonderful scenes. A lot of it takes place on Svalbard with these big polar bears and, you know, it's not necessarily mm-hmm. cozy winter, but there's a lot of great stuff there um, as well. So those were a few. And then there's some kind of like survival, the harshness of winter, <laughs> the ones that aren't exactly cozy, but endurance which is the story of the shackleton expedition is just an amazing yeah. book and you know into thin air is a tragic book but it, uh, taking place on top of mount yeah. everest you know so as far as just books that are cold and then to build a fire <laughs> by jack london oh my, yeah my son just read that one recently and it's fun to see you know it's, it's a very bleak book but just the power of some of those adventure stories yeah on, especially people of a certain age but even rereading it that's such a good book and it I mean, talk about making you appreciate whatever fire you do have or whatever warmth you do have. Whew. Yeah. Well, so. I remember I may have brought this up before. I, I've read that one throughout my life a little bit, but there was once when I was reading it in college and it was, it was like August, you know, I had mm-hmm. the windows open because it was hot. I didn't have air conditioning in that apartment. It was just this hot. And I, I felt I felt cold yeah. while I was reading that story. <laughs> I know. It's amazing how amazing. powerful it can be. I had that same experience with Into Thin Air by John Krakauer. I was reading mm-hmm. it like like you said, it was, I don't remember if it was spring or summer, but it was not a cold day. But reading <laughs> it, I was like, oh, I kind of got the chills and it was like <laughs> contemplating a blanket. The one that one that pops to my mind is as we're going through this is my Antonia. 
Um, There's some really great winter and kind of Christmas holiday scenes in that book that I, I think stand on their own. You you know, Mm -hmm. even if you were just digging in to read those passages, uh, I love, love that. And, you know, nice to bring up Willa Cather when we can. Absolutely. (laughs) Anytime we can. Yeah, no, that's a great one. I, I think I think of that one often more is I think of like the dugout part of it, you know, where mm-hmm. they're and I think I think of fall, but you're right. There's some wonderful winter and holiday scenes yeah. in that one. So that's a great choice. Yeah. All right. Well, we will continue this conversation through the holidays, and I hope mm-hmm. you all listeners will let us know some of your reading habits in the winter and some books that you think of in the winter or that you're hoping to read this winter. And, you know, we, we just, we would really love to hear, hear from you. Mm-hmm. So reach out, let us, let us know. Uh, as far as what we have for the rest of this month, we have two episodes left this year and they are both going to be our top 10 favorite reads of 2022. I can't wait. Part one and part two, just like last year. <laughs> I know. It's one of my favorite parts of last year. I'm so anxious, but also not stressed in any real sense of the word, but I'm like, oh, boy, compiling lists, moving things around. How am I ever going to decide? I, I think this book could be on this list if only I had read it already. <laughs> exactly. Salka Volka, if I can only finish it. Right. <laughs> no, I, I always figure once those dates hit, even if it's still 2022, those books count for next year. Exactly. If I if, if I read Salka Volka and finish it on you know, December 31st, but we're all done with it. I'll, I might throw it on the list next year if it, if it's supposed to be there. <laughs> I think that sounds very fair. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. And we plan to have some fun excerpts from other, from listeners and other people who mm-hmm. might be sharing yeah. some of their top books as well. So there should be another one of those where you get lots of great um, recommendations and yeah, either check the show notes or get your pen and paper ready. <laughs> and, and just so that you have it on your radar, our next uh, author-focused episode will be on Scholastique Mukasanga. So I will definitely be reading some of her books too over the, the next month because yeah. we want to be prepared for that. Whether it ends up being the one, the very first of next year, and the fir- it would be the first of January if we stuck with our, you know, every episode that ends in a five. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just don't, we'll, we'll, Paul and I will talk offline to see if that's how we want to do this or if we want to fudge it just a little bit this time. Uh, so that our first episode is not not an author focus episode, but maybe something a little more traditional. You know, oh, it's the first of the year. You know, those are yeah. also kind of fun. But yeah. I I don't know if I have a strong like you know sense as to which way we should go. But we'll yeah. figure it out. But definitely, Scholastic Mukasanga's books are coming coming down the pipeline fast. <laughs> yeah. So anybody who wants to kind of be in that loop can start reading now or whatever you want to do. But it's going to be a lot of fun to talk about those. Yeah, I actually, uh, as I was preparing for this episode, I was like, should I just bring three of those? And so this is the one I'm reading next. And then this one, <laughs> I thought, well, that's not very fun. But right. but I do want to bring it up because it is going to be um, also some powerful reading over the oh, next yeah, uh, holiday months. But mm-hmm. all right. Well, Paul, thanks so much for joining me today, merrily, as, as always. But in particular, yeah, yeah. the twinkle in your eye, you know, your beard's getting white and long. And I'm exactly. starting to wonder, you know. <laughs> Putting on a little weight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> This is a, this is exciting. Everybody have a have a great December. Um, again, we'll we'll be popping in through the month. But happy time to go settle in and uh, get reading. Yep, absolutely. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Mooks and the Gripes podcast. 
You can follow the Mooks and the Gripes and get show notes and book and film reviews at mooksandgripes.com. On Twitter, you can find Trevor at Mooks and Paul at BiblioPaul. You can also get information about future shows on our Patreon. If you'd like to donate to the show, anything and everything, even a dollar a month, helps and is deeply appreciated. You can become a patron at patreon.com slash mooks. Until next time.